Hello everyone, I am your host, Alexander Mars, and welcome to Midweek's Topic. Woohoo! Day late, but hey, I'm still kicking! Um, like I said, I am Alexander Mars. If you are new to my podcast, welcome. I talk about my life. I am disabled, and I talk about things that I think the rest of the world needs to know about. What it's like to be disabled in America. Um... To give you a few examples, I have rheumatoid arthritis, I am dyslexic, uh, I also have asthma, I also dealing with EDD. Uh, right now, I am in the process of figuring out what's causing my anemia. I have iron, I have iron, I have iron deficiency anemia unspecified, which means the doctors are trying to find out a cause of my anemia. Uh, my blood doctor thinks it is either coming from, he's leaning more to my menstrual cycle. I am starting to agree with him for the last couple of months what's happened to me about that and uh, more than my, di- my digestive tract. So anyway, last few podcasts I have talked about that I had to go to to the hospital and I had to get my woman exam done. Basically means checking oh my ovaries, uh, my uterus, my vagina, all that good stuff. And and you're asking why couldn't this not be done in my office with the gynecologist? Two words. Too painful. <laughs> um, I have mobility issues in my hips. Um do the RA and so that was a concern uh, I was able to have pretty good when I was in the when I back in January in the gynecologist's office but when he started to examine me it was just I just couldn't handle it it was just way way too painful and so we decided the best course of action was for me to go and be put under anesthesia at the hospital now I have talked about this in the past when there's two hospitals in my area and I have never been uh, I've had some over the last few years I've had some really bad experiences with um, being put under Um, I was not looking forward to this I had some really bad experiences it was just one of those things And so I went, there's two hospitals in my area, and I went to uh, the second hospital. I haven't really used that much. I've used the second hospital of their services, like their doctors, uh, urgent care and all that. But I've never went, never actually stepped foot into the hospital and had procedure done. So this was my first time. And I have to say, uh, most of the people I encountered were really friendly, really helpful, um, didn't really have any issues with anybody. Uh, just really going. So I was like, I was like, cool. So I was knew where I was going. So that was nice. Um, so yeah, I didn't really, you know, like I said, I I was treated pretty good. I, I, I liked the, I liked the care that I received. I was very happy. Um, 
the the nurses took uh, really good care of me. Uh, the staff, the supporting staff was really nice. Um, didn't really have any issues other than that, so that was really good. So let me tell you how they had it set up. I had to go to registration to check in um, to get my tag. Um, stuff like that. You know, one thing, here's the one thing. This is just how, this is just, this is one thing I think we need to discuss right here. I was thinking about this today before I got, uh, what I was going to talk about. This is one thing I think we need to talk about and I think people need to be aware of. Now, I've been dealing with the medical world, or I should say the medical industry, for a very long time, since all this started for me was about seven. So me and my family, would, I mean, just the medical doctors, nurses, medical field has been a part of my life and will be till the day I die. That's just the way it is. So the last few years, especially after COVID, it, it doesn't matter which hospital because the hospital I normally use does this. And so I was not surprised when <clears throat> the hospital I went to yesterday was doing this. So when I went into registration, and was telling the nurse, telling the person who I was, and she was verifying all my information, this and that. I was like, cool. And then she looked at me and gave me a piece of paper, and she says, she says, are, are you able to take care of your copay today? And I was like, what? <laughs> I looked at her and told her I wasn't expecting the, co the copay. I just thought they were just going to, after what my insurance pay, they were just going to go ahead and bill me. And it was like, nope. And I didn't have to take care of it then. It was just a question. And I'm sitting there going, I'm going outpatient surgery. I don't want to worry about my copay right now. <laughs> I was sitting there going, no. And I, and the, like I said, in the hospital, I normally, they do the exact same thing. And I'm sitting there going, and I'm looking at, you know, she was really nice about it. She was just like, okay, and just hand me the paperwork and told me where I needed to go. And she wanted to make sure I knew where I wanted to go. And she also wanted, she also asked me if I needed a ride. See, I could have got a ride. Um, I could have got a ride upstairs. And I told her no. I, I needed to walk because I wanted to walk as much as I could before I had my surgery. But anyway, so she got me upstairs. I got upstairs. But one of the sorry, I'm still I still got the effects from the anesthesia. But she was like, she was really friendly about it. But I'm really you know what I'm really mad is the hospital's policy. This is not the person who gave me what you know the paperwork she was just that's just part of her job she wanted to know and i'm just like i'm just like i i don't like that policy change and this is i think it's just happening across nationwide that people are i'm like i didn't even know i was going to have a co-payment and i didn't realize that my insurance was telling me this is how much they were gonna tell me and I'm just like oh my word and I'm like 
I was just, I was a little, I was, I was a little mad. I wasn't mad at her, not the, the wait a minute. I was just mad at the hospital's policy and just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And I was just like, I'll just deal with it later. But in some way, I mean, I don't mind if they gave me a copy of it, but I just didn't like, yeah, by the way, here's your copy. This is how much we think, you know, what you're. This is what your co your copay was going to be. And as she did that, if the hospital's policy was that, that would have been fine. But to ask me the day of service and going, yeah, that was just a little bit ridiculous. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I had to take care of something, so I had to come back. I had to leave, come back. But you don't know that because I lost it. Ha <laughs> ha. So what I was talking about was um, I had really good care. Had to deal with the elevator button. <laughs> um, pushed it a couple of times. And the thing wasn't calling the elevator. And a guy came over that worked at the hospital and was seen, kept pushing it. And he says, well, this sometimes gets stuck. They need to fix it. I totally agreed with him. And uh, he said, we probably been staying there for a while. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And so we got on the elevator. He asked us where my mom and I, because my mom was with me, where we were going. And so that's, we went in there and stuff. So, yeah, what I was talking about. Sorry. Anyway, I'm going to go. Probably I was talking about the registration, but yeah, the registration thing about the copay needs to change. That needs, that there needs to be a new policy. Now, if the hospital wants to, if the hospital wants to um, have it where you know how much your copay is going to be, you know, not expecting to pay for it, but once you, I'm, I'm okay with that. I would like to know how much my copay is. Once my service is done, then I know how much I can start budgeting for. And I'd I'd be okay with that, but to ask me what to pay, to to pay, <clears throat> to ask me that question when I've got other things on my mind than paying the copay payment, it's not a good tactic. That I think that policy needs to change totally. Up front. Um. I, I get it that they have to. Ask that. Um, that's just putting their employer, especially people who in the registers who works, you know, the registry into the hospital. I, I think that's just putting them in a bad predicament. Okay. Because let me let me let me put it this way. So basically, now if you use any hospital in in the states, is you go through the court, you they uh, go through the. Co you know, you go through the COVID screen, you get asked. Um, now at this particular hospital, they want you to scan your license or your, your state ID into the computer to keep track of you in the hospital and give you a little badge and take a picture. And then they ask you about COVID. Um, and I understand why the hospital is doing that so they can keep track of who's in their hospital all that time so you know you have that and then the next my next experience was going to register's office before going upstairs to surgically to you know the surgical out surgically out place 
<clears throat> well, the surgical center where they do outpatient surgery. And so mine for, you know, after that experience, my next experience with anybody officially working with the hospital is the registrar office. Getting me registered, getting me signed up, getting me into the, logging me into the system and say, hey, I'm here, basically. And giving my little cute bandana with my name on it and my birthday year. You know, and so now I'm going through this and, you know, talking to her. And the next question is after, before I'm released from the registrar's office, then you need to, you know, go up, you know, my, about my co-payment. And I think there's a better way of handling that. Not to expect a patient to come in and be prepared to pay a copay is not good on the hospital policy. Now, I didn't get mad at the lady at the register because that's part of her job. She was just like, I gotta ask this kind of look on her face. I gotta ask this. And so she asked, so she told, you know, and I was just like, fine. And she gave me the paper and, and all the information on it so I could look at it later. So I don't mind having the information. I just don't like to be expected to pay a copayment on the spot when I'm thinking about... Am I going to survive the anesthesia or not? <laughs> I, I, that just adds a little bit more stress to a very, very stressful situation. And I think that policy needs to be <clears throat> changed. I think hospitals need to stop asking that and just give out the information and going, all right, you know, or put up a sign in there and talking about, well, you have an option to pay your copay today or not. Somewhere in, in the register office and not have to be where the people in register doesn't have to, to work. Because I don't think that sets a really good set of, about, you're, you're entering the hospital and you're registering and now you're, that doesn't really set up a good thing. But I have to say, the lady I dealt with yesterday was really nice about that. So she was just like, it's no big deal. Give me my paperwork. I asked, and one other thing too is, she asked me if I needed a ride. And I told her no. I did not need a ride. So. I, I knew where I was going. I could have got a ride. So that was another thing too that was really nice is they they would get, they gave you rides to the hospital <laughs> yeah where you needed to go I was like cool so I wanted to walk so okay now getting to the elevator I know I talked about this one here but getting to the elevator to go upstairs well one thing I had to do I had to show my mom where I was going to be put down well not put down but <laughs> not, no, not put down. Sorry, those were just did not sound right, did they? No. Um, I was showing her where they were going to release me, bring me down to the first floor. They had a surgical discharge unit where she would meet me after they released me from recovery. And that's what I wanted to show her. That's why I said, because we were cause basically going to the second floor. But this is where I would meet my mother again after after recovery would be in the... So I wanted her to make sure she knew how to get there. Because this was like her first time in a while being at this hospital again. So I wanted to make sure she knew how to get there. Or have an idea how to get there. And uh, so, so then we went up to to the elevator and 
trying to call that. I, I hit this button like two to three times and it wasn't doing nothing. So a guy that worked, like I said earlier, a guy worked in the hospital said he got stuck and he pressed it and I seen how hard he had to push it and where. I remember that. I don't remember that. So we, so we got upstairs and he asked where we were going and I told him and he was like, cool. He told us where to go, point he made sure. I mean, and I we got there. So I was like, cool. And we got up there just in time because I was supposed to be there at 10. And like I said, I really had really good, like I, I, I really had good service. I mean, I didn't really have anything. I didn't really have any like bad experience. Like the only thing I don't like is the hospital's policy about the co-payments and that's basically become a normal standardized thing because I deal with my other preferred hospital and they started doing that too after COVID and just like really so so I went upstairs now I've talked about advocating for oneself and this is very important <clears throat> so my I was supposed to arrive at the hospital at 10 o'clock be upstairs by 10 and I went upstairs and so when I got to the surgical outpatient uh, surgery thing um, I registered with let the nurse know that it was there and since all my paperwork was filled out I didn't have to fill out anything and she letting them know so I was there at 10 o'clock and about 1030 I kept seeing these other patients come in and they were getting back to the rooms right away. And I was just like, already. So about 10.30, I got up and I went in there. And I, this is where advocating is very important. So I got up and went and asked the lady nicely what was going on? Why hadn't I got back to a room yet? What was happening? And they were, I don't know if they forgot about me or what the deal was. She got on the ball and says, well, we need to get a room. And talking about, well, 24, the room, that was the room number I was in. <laughs> and talking about, well, they had to clean it. And she said they'd get somebody with me. Well, I found out later on that the nurse that I was supposed to have, their child was, got sick and they had to go home and leave. And so that left them shorthanded. And that just happened to be my nurse that left. So, so they were figuring out how to get me. So actually, I ended up with pretty two good nurses that day, yesterday, in the pre-op before I went up to, before I took in back to surgery. So I had a really nice, I really had a really two good nurses. So I had actually two. And so basically, they decided that they were going to share me as a patient until one of them was called to get called to have another patient so that's what they did so that was worked out better for me I had two nurses so that was really good this was funny I had to go to the bathroom really bad and um I had to wait because I almost went and it said like if you're a patient uh check with the nurse's station because you they might need a a specimen basically so after the nurse got me back to my room and was telling me what I needed to do, I told her, I'm like, I really need to go to the bathroom. And so they had like four bathrooms. 
back there. And they were all being used. We walked around. So the first two near, near closest to my room were being used. <laughs> they were occupied. And so we were walking around and she looked at me and she's like, how old are you? And I told her my age. And she was like, are you still having menstrual cycles? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I said, well, I said they took, I, I told her, I said, well, they, they, they checked last week. They took a pregnancy test. Well, they checked my, for my blood. And I said, it's not pregnant. And they're like, well, you know, things can change. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. And she's like, well, since you're having period, you know, since you're still having a period, we require all the women that are still menstruating, basically. We need to make sure they're not pregnant. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so she had to run back and she had to go get me a little cup so I could give them a specimen. And I was like, fun. So finally we get it. And I'm like, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I was expecting that. Honestly, I was surprised. I wasn't even asked that question back in the room. But So she took that. So she gave me that. And we walked to the other two bathrooms. And they were like. I was like. Oh my word. <laughs> they were like being used. So then we walked way. Back to the other two. Next to my room. And finally the one that was. Wasn't occupied. And I tell you what. I had to go. I was like. I had to go. So, so I was able to give them a nice specimen. And I made a joke to her. And I told her when I left it on the bathroom where she told me to leave it. And she walked back to my room. I, I told you I had to go. And she says, I guess you did. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, it was funny. So, and then, um. And then I had, and then they gave me, um, my IV. So yeah, <clears throat> so I had to do, so I had to do that. I had to go do that. So another thing about advocating, you know, like I said, that was just a funny story about the thing, but that's typical. I mean, they put you in anesthesia. They want to know for certain if you're pregnant or not. And just like, I, she was one of the she was one of the nicest ones about it. She said that was just her policy, and I'm like, yeah, I figured that. So I didn't really have any problems with that. I've had in the past where I've had some people like accuse me not telling them the truth and I'm not pregnant, and I'm just like, I'm like, really? I. But she was like, that's just our policy. Anyone that still has a period, you get tested. <laughs> we need. We need a specimen. I'm like, already. So. That was fine with me. So, the next thing was um, my second nurse that came in there. She was. Uh, she, she, uh, she was doing my things. Um, I Well, so what happened was I got. I had to put on the, the nightgown and the stuff. And I actually like this hospital's nightgown system better. It's like it was made to drape like a dress and it tied in the back and it didn't show your butt. The way it was designed, it was nice. And they also had a little thing, they had a heater where they could plug it in at the bottom. 
and could give me heat if I wanted. I had a little control novel where I could turn up the heat or turn it or turn it low. That was really nice. I like I like that. <laughs> I you know instead of having a blanket and I got really warm, but I didn't really need it. But I did get cold waiting to be taken back, and I did turn it on for a little bit until I got. A little too warm and I turned it off I didn't have it full way but that was really nice where I can had the where I could control it so that was really nice um, that was I, I, I like that that was nice so so another again about advocating for myself was another story was the nurse my second nurse came in there she was going to do um, put the, she wanted to put the needle uh, the needle for the IV in my hand and my hands can't handle that anymore now my physical therapist I had back last year told me no don't have the needles in my hand anymore she never really explained that one to me that well I never really asked next time I have to ask her next time I see her but she never really, she just said that that's not really good for my hands anymore. And I agreed with that. And after a while, you put a needle in my hand, that's really hurt. But she was talking about, the, the pre-op nurse was talking about being uh, short-term. Because I was not going to be in sur surgery that long and blah, blah, blah. And all that. And I just, I told her no. And I, I told her no, I did not want that. And she, so she went and got a special light and she was able to find the vein, um, in my arm really well. I actually got a little bruise from that, but what she did was kind of cool. She actually numbed the area. I never had this done, but she actually numbed the vein where they were going to put the needle. And it hurt just a little bit. Now, I don't like needles. <laughs> she got a kick out. She's like, you got a disease that requires needles. And you're like, uh, I don't, seriously, I don't like needles. I can handle needles being poked. I don't mind being, I just don't like needles. I just like, I don't like being poked anymore. That's the problem. But it's necessary and it requires me to get poked. And I've, this year, from into December going into this year, I've got poked a lot of different times. I'm just tired of getting poked. <laughs> so anyway, so she put some numbing stuff on and the lady from the labs came and she was able, because what she explained to me was, this is what they can do now, this is really cool, because my, uh, when I go get my Arincia, this is what the infusion nurses will do when I need to get blood work done, is they will, they will use a certain type of needle, um, tube or whatever, and once they put the needle in, there has to be a certain kind of needle, and they'll put the needle in my arm, and then they, they're able to take out the blood first. And this is what she did. So my nurse took out my blood. And then once the labs had my blood, she was able to put in the IV. So it was like one shot. It was just like one needle and that was it. So it was really good. And also helped to find my vein because I'm very fair skinned according to the nurse. That she went and had a special light 
and showed up the vein and she was able to get in. I mean, she did a fabulous job. I was like, cool. And so the lab tech was like talking about that they needed that kind of flashlight. And I agreed with that. So I was like, yeah, give these people the proper equipment. See, I'm all about give your employees the proper equipment to find the, to find, especially people who, who do this for a living, who take blood from people's arms. They should have all the proper equipment. That's my other pet people. They should have all the proper equipment at their disposals because they don't know what type of patient they're going to run into and what that patient may require for them to do walking into a hospital especially in a hospital setting I'm like give your give your give your staff the the equipment that they need to do their job correctly and get it right the first time as I'm telling you I'm not a person that likes to be poked every single time and I've had people from different experiences try to poke me and it's just like <laughs> so so you know that's just me but anyway so but I was like getting back to you know I was so glad because she because the nurse was like well you'll be out of here by three <laughs> yesterday that was not the case I was out of there <laughs> I didn't get home until after five but, but I was so glad that I advocated for myself about the needle because I'm telling you what, if that left, if my needle had left up in my hand, my hand would have been hurting. I would have been in pain with my hand and I would have not liked that at all. Because, like I said, I got that IV after 11.30 yesterday. I did not get that IV out until sometime after 4 o'clock. That's a long time to have a needle stuck in. I don't agree putting needles in hand, so... I don't mind for a short term, like... Like when I had my iron infusion, like, for like... For an hour, or maybe when I go get an infusion where it has sometimes has to go in my hand. But my nurse, my infusion nurses that I go to are pretty good, and so they get in my arm. But for something like that, that's going to be in, it was more like, it wasn't going to be in, like, short term. They weren't, the nurse, the recovery nurse was not going to take out my needle. And I'm sitting there. That's the one thing I, I, I kind of disagreed with, with my uh, pre-op, pre-op nurse about that because you don't know how I'm going to respond. Your your job is to get me ready to put me on the operating table basically. And your job's done. <laughs> you're, once you got me, you've got my chart filled out and everything. My job is done. You're, well not my job, but her job. Her job is done. Your, your job is done. Basically. And you don't know how long that needle is going to be in me. <laughs> it's just like so this is one thing about you need to advocate you know this is one thing I've learned you need to advocate for yourself because you me as the patient I know there's a possibility that that IV is going to be in me for a long time until they get ready to discharge that's just the way most hospitals do that so so I got <clears throat> ready so I got that so that was funny so they were running late. I asked the nurse because my 
I was supposed to be in the Aurora room by noon. That didn't happen. Which I knew it wouldn't because I didn't get in there long enough to get the things going. Because they had to take the blood work. They had to run the urine just to make sure I wasn't pregnant. Which I'm not. Um, so they had to get that get that stuff going. So I had to wait for that. Um, so that was just crazy. So I mean, that's just typical. So it just put me behind. Um, so here's the funny, here's the funny thing. So it's getting close. Um, so my mom and I, they have TV in the room. So my mom and I were like, when I watch TV and she was like, she didn't really want the TV on. And I'm like, I wanted the TV on cause I wanted something else because there was no windows. Now I get claustrophobic. So I was in a little room with no windows. I'm like, I want the TV on. I didn't tell her that, but I was like, I want the TV on. So I don't know. Every time I go to the hospital and have anything done, or if I stay in the hospital, I am like going to the H the, the home where they do all the home improvement shows, you know, when they have the Property Brothers on, you know, that channel and cable or satellite. I'm going there and watching it because I don't want to watch anything that is stressful. I I don't want to watch anything of that stuff that's kind of stressful. I will, I'd rather sit there and just kind of watch whatever comes on that channel because I know it's safe and they're not going to talk about politics or anything or anything like that. So I'm like, so I was looking for that channel and I found it. And so we were watching, so we sat there watching about, about, let's see, 15. I think we watched TV for about 30, 45 minutes because we were, we went into one show and that was like halfway through. I think we missed about five or 10 minutes of that. Maybe about five minutes. So we were we were watching TV for a while, and then we watched the next show that was interesting. I thought that one was interesting. And at that time, you know, that channel only has their shows on for thirty minutes, so that was like cool. Um, so I had to, so I had to go to the, I had to, so after having the IV, and you know, you have to go to the bathroom, and I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was like. I really need to go to the bathroom again. And so that's when my <laughs> gynecologist walks in and I tell him, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I tell him, he goes, I need to go to the, I was telling him that I need to go to the bathroom for the procedure. And he's like, oh, that's fine. And, um, so he was talking to me and, uh, wanted to know some, we were talking and wanted to know if I had any questions. And so, one of my good friend wanted to to know why um, she asked the question why couldn't they do what I wanted that day why did I have to go back again for a second time which I need to explain it to her if she doesn't listen to my podcast um, about getting certain things done and so my question was if he found any seriously wrong what would he do that day basically why I was under and he basically stated that he was just all prepared just to do my exam and would note anything and and basically on my my next visit with him in the office discuss what he found what he finds or what he what he found and go for my options from there 
Um, he didn't think that there, he didn't think I have any type, um, there's nothing for him to believe I have any type of cancer anywhere, but he said that could change once, once he looked into that and gets the biopsies back, because he did do biopsies. Um, so, but he was explaining that, um, a procedure that he wants to do is basically, I think, go in my uterus and basically colonize or something I have to look into this but it's basically um to rent to prevent uh, basically I would stop bleeding I would still have my eggs it would not be like a full hysterectomy um so like that he, he we talked a little bit about uh, a hysterectomy he told me his concerns about it uh, I didn't really have a chance to tell him my concerns of leaving everything in so this is going to be a discussion that i'm going to have with him when i go back into his office and there's some things i'm going to have to think about um so let me tell you why i'm kind of leaning onto a hysterectomy i have mobility issues and as I get older, I am not sure how much more mobility I am going to lose. I have lost some in my 30s and in my 40s. I'm trying to gain, I'm gaining some of that back with physical therapy. Um, it's not going to be the full range that I had when I was younger. But that's just the way this is. I'm grateful for that when I have. I'm seeing the progress. And I understand what now I need to do to have looking for my independence. So, so why you, so thinking that probably as well, what, what do you want to, I really don't want a hysterectomy, but here's the thing. I know what runs in my family, both on my father's side and my mother's side. And I've seen this happen to women that get passed way into mental, to menopause when they're done or they seem like they're done. And they, they, they develop ovarian cancer or they have something to happen to their flooping tubes or whatever that caused them to have surgery later in life past in their 60s, 70s, whatever. All right. I don't want that. I don't want, the older I get, the harder it's going to be for me to have surgery. And I do not want to have that type of surgery when I am past the, that kind of age because I don't know what would happen to me. I don't know what kind of health I would be in standpoint. I don't know what that future holds. Right now I do know where I'm at and I feel like I'm strong enough and able enough to recover from a hysterectomy if I need one. Now, there's risk involved of having one. I would be in full-blown menopause. I'm already going into menopause already. So you got an idea how old I am. But I'm going into menopause right now. I'm, it's that time of life where I'm transitioning from one to to the other. It's just, it's just, a, it's just, it's just what a woman goes through. I'm entering that next stage of my life. I have my doubts. <laughs> I, I have my misgivings, but you know. Every woman alive goes through this. It's just part of life. 
some of me can handle it better than others and I'm hoping I am on where I can handle it better than most. I will be. But there's risk involved of having a hysterectomy. Um, my doctor just kindly pointed out to me some of what he's afraid of, which it's good to know. We had an office conversation and it's getting me to think what kind of complications would I have? And he pointed out my mobility. So I don't know what kind of mobility he would need for me to have one. So that's the next question I need to ask. And maybe then I need to go back to therapy and work on that. If it's possible. Or he just may not be comfortable with doing one. Which is... Which I fully get that. I fully understand that. So it's, it's things that I need to research and look into. And start advocating for myself. Which is the right way for me to go. I have my concerns and I will tell him my concerns about something developing later on in life and not knowing where I will be in 10 or 20 years if that happens with my mobility. If that'd be possible or if that would just be a distance. That's what I'm looking at. That's where my frame of mind is when it comes to that. Do I want one? No. Would I like his option when he said? I think that would be better but I'm just afraid what would happen to my ovaries and I'm also having a problem with my left ovaries right now too because it's giving me a lot of pain off and on and I don't know why um, that's another thing I need to discuss with him but just it is what it is and that will that will in time get resolved but just it's just these steps that I'm going through so anyway so we discussed that and I had a full blood. <laughs> I was like, I gotta go. So after he left, I called. I called the nurse, and I had actually seen my uh, anesthesiologist outside my door looking. I wasn't sure that was him, but I thought it might have been. So my nurse comes in there. It was a different nurse, and she's like, "You called?" And I said, "Yeah, I need to go to the bathroom." And she, <laughs> and the anesthesiologist, she's like, "No, I need to talk to her first. And I'm like, "I got." I'm sitting there going, I'm laying there, I'm like, I gotta go, people, I gotta go. <laughs> I really had to go. And, um, I was like, I am not going in the OR with a full platter. And so he, he talked to me, and this is another thing I, <clears throat> I think if you are going to have any type of surgery done, I think you should have a person with you, and I'm grateful that my mother was there with me. And she was able to be there the whole time. And it's not easy. The person waiting. But um, she was in the room with me. Because I was talking to the anesthesiologist. And um, explaining about my. Because I have issues with my jaw. Doesn't open very wide. And I have issues with my neck. Which that stuff is improving the best that it can. But it's still. For someone like that. Getting a tube down my throat. is not an easy task. And so I had. I had wrote out a list of questions that I wanted to ask or make notes of basically let them know and I had gave that paperwork to my mother and I also talked to my mother about some things that I noticed about my breathing that I sleep I breathe better when I elevated than I do laying flat on my back um, and so she so after so basically the anesthesia asked me um, what I had going on with my lungs and I said I have asthma 
and I he asked me if I took my inhaler and I said yes I took my inhaler this morning and he asked me about what time and I told him and then he asked me if I had a rescue inhaler and I said yes and he asked me how many times have you been using your rescue inhaler and I said I haven't I haven't used it in the last few days I don't need my rescue inhaler every day I use it when I absolutely need it and I haven't been really using it that much because it's not been really necessary since I've got surgery I've used it a little bit more um, so he was like, oh, that's good. And so then my mom, she told him what I'd forgot to tell him. And he was like, okay. He says, well, that's good for me to know. He says, then I can tell your recovery nurse when you get out of surgery. And I'm like, okay. And, and I was like, it's like, okay. And then, um, I had, a re- I don't know what it is yesterday, but I had a really bad time with mucus. I had... My sinus was, I don't know if it was because I was hungry, because I was really hungry, and it was just, like, draining nonstop. I had, when I was waiting to get back to my room, I had to go to the bathroom and cough off mucus. I was, like, I was like hoping they would be able to do this, because I wasn't sure. And then I had to ask my first nurse, I had to, can I have, like, a sip of water? And she's like, why? So I can rent? She's like, you mean rent split? And I'm like, yeah, because it was so bad, I needed something. And, uh... She was like, yeah. And so then um, I, I started building up again. And my nurse was like, no, you're getting too cl-. And I asked the second nurse for that later on. And she's like, no. And she told me, she explained why to me. And I was like, that was fine. And I was like, getting that close anyway. And so then when I saw the, when, you know, the anesthesiologist came in, I made him aware of it, it was really draining really bad. And he's like, we can handle that. We've got stuff back there to help with that. And I'm like, cool. I was like, alrighty. And he, he, one thing, my anesthesiologist, he wasn't there, like, to, like, his, his bedside manner wasn't, like, the friendliness, but he was, what I liked about him was he listened he took notes. He was there. He had a job to do, and his there was to get collect as much information from me as he could before I went back. That was his job. That was his manner. Like I'm here to make sure give you the best care. I mean, that was the persona that he put in the room, and I liked that. It didn't bother me that he wasn't the friendliest guy in the world. He was. He was business. He was all business. And then he was there to make sure I got the best care and and had. And make sure I woke up. <laughs> I was like, that's what I needed. I didn't care about that other stuff. So I was really happy with that. And I was like, alrighty. And so then I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, my nurse came to make sure I pressed the button back in. And the nurse was like, I'm coming. I was like, well, I didn't know. She had hung around. And yeah. So I was like, yay. So I got on the bed. And then the OR nurse came and took me back. And I didn't even have a say. I didn't have a chance to see anything of my mom. She just rolled me out. I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, get out of the room. And I turned my head. And I went, bye, mama. <laughs> and my mom's like, I love you. Love you, too. I don't know if she heard me or not. But I talked to her today about that. And she's like, well, I kind of figured you said that to me. And I'm like, I did.
So, so I was getting Will Mack into the OR nurse was asking me a couple questions. I don't remember the questions now, but she was asking me some things and I was telling her. And, uh, I made some comment because it was like breathing. I went, wee, I get to go for a ride. And she's like, yeah. And, uh, I, I try to have fun in the midst of some things like being pushed in the bed because it's kind of being fun pushed in the bed to me. Um, and seeing all the different ways of the hospital is, and I, you know, you have to, some days like this, you just gotta take, make jokes or have a little bit of fun or just enjoy the ride going in the bed, even though you're going to OR. Um, I sometimes find the workings of the hospital fascinating. Don't ask me why, I just do. And so I like to look around and see what's going on. Um, especially when I got to the OR. It was like really near. The OR unit was like a corridor. Not a corridor. Uh, like a cul-de-sac. You know, you have a cul-de-sac of houses in a neighborhood. Well, this is what the OR was. It was like a mini little circle in each room. And I went to... I was in room B. ORB. And, uh... And I saw all these different people walking around in all these different rooms. And I was like, cool. It's nothing like, it's not like nothing that you, that you've seen on TV. So it was just similar, but not, not all that. So it was like, I went in to there and, um, so someone asked me if I was able to get off and walk and get onto the table in the OR. And I said, yes, that would not be a problem. They were like, good. And then one, I think it was a nurse told me, no, they weren't doing that that my anesthesiologist want that and he wanted me to scoot over and so they went and double checked and that's what they did and that's what they had me to do they had me to scoot over and I will tell you one thing the nurse they did not want to lift me and scoot me over which was fine I didn't have a problem with that um, but I don't remember everybody in there but the the two nurses, I had a male nurse and I had, and I had, I had a female nurse and they were the ones preparing me one. One told me where they wanted my butt on the table because it put me in stirrups after I was knocked out and they put me on where they wanted my butt to go and I'm like, alrighty. And she showed me where she wanted and how I would feel it. And that's where they wanted my butt to go. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, all right. And they asked me if I could scoot by myself. And I said, yes. Mm. And so they lined me up on the bed and wanted me to, so the guy, I think his name was, yeah, I think he told me his name was Brian. I don't know. He, he, I don't know if he gave a name or not, but all this information goes. So the, so the male nurse, he wanted me to scoot over and they told me that the, the bed was really, the table was really narrow. I was like, okay, good to know. So I got on there and he was asking me, he says, I want to make sure that you're all, he, that you're in the middle of the table before I take away the bed. And I'm like, I think I am. And so I scooted over just a little bit more and I was, and they told me it was really narrow. I tell you, it was narrow, but you know, and so 
And I tell you, it was freezing cold in there. So the other nurse that was in there, the female nurse, she was putting something around my legs and it provided air and it would massage my legs. And that was to make sure that during the procedure, I didn't develop any blood clots in my legs that wouldn't race to into my lungs. I was like, cool. And so she was putting on that on there. She told me why they, like I said, they explained everything. So then the male nurse came back and he put warm blankets on me. And he says, I know it's cold. He says, I'm going to put some warm blankets because he says, I know it's cold in here. I'm like, oh yeah. And I said, oh, make sure that about the germs because that's why it's so cold. Not germs. Viruses. All that. And it was. And so they put that on me, which I was glad. And then he put the other one on my, he put the other one on my leg. And then another nurse I didn't know was fixing my left arm for my IV. And so then I was, then I remember the 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 uh, anesthesiologist. Um, he actually before I got on the bed. He told me that he had lifted it up, so I wasn't laying flat on my back, which was nice. And so when I actually got on the table. When I scooted over, I was breathing really hard. I was out of breath. And he got really concerned about that. And was it from, from scooting? And I said yes. Because once I relaxed and lay down, I was I was fine. It recovered. Um, so once they kind of, they let me have a little bit of breathing room. Like, okay. And then I had my knees. <laughs> when I got on the tables, I had my knees up. You know, like, I was like. You know, I did that because I was cold, and they asked me if I could straighten out my legs, and I said yes. And they wanted my legs straight, so I did that. And uh, and that's when they uh, that's when the lady put my other arm on the side, and then um, then the anesthesiologist was talking to me about because he he had put up the table when I wasn't laying too flat, and I said that was fine. I was fine and then he changed my pillow he says well, I'm gonna give you a better pillow for next support and so what I need to and it was fine my neck's a little sore today and and then it was like he says well I'm gonna give you an oxygen mask and, and I want you to take nice deep breaths that's the last thing I remember <laughs> I mean in OR I went out because normally I remember some things right before I go out and it's just like that was the last thing I remember I, I didn't hear nothing I was just like I took in deep breaths and I, I went out the next thing I remember was waking up in the uh, in the recovery unit and the nurse was wiping my eyes because they the anesthesiologist gave something to make sure something about my eyes to perk to protect my eyes during that something that could happen and I guess he protected them really good because the the recovery nurse was wiping my eyes because I had so much of it on my eyes and that's when I that's why I wake up remembering was the was that and so I had a really nice recovery nurse one thing if you ever go under anesthesia don't fight the anesthesia let it take you over and then when you start waking up from it, start waking up because I started waking up and I started talking. Um, once I realized where I was at, um, 
I actually remember pretty much when I woke up. Uh, I had one nurse to give me some ice chips. Want to know if I want some ice chips? And I'm like, yes, because I knew as soon as I went down to the downstairs to the surgical discharge unit, um, where they um, my for me to to leave was I had to I had to go to the bathroom. I had to pee. And so I remember that from when I was told that. And so I was like, give me those ice chips. <laughs> I was like, when I get downstairs, I want to go to the bathroom. So I woke up and I started waking up. Um, I did pretty good. Uh, the nurse told me I did really well about waking up. She didn't have to fight getting me up because I was like, I wanted to wake up. Um, there was a lot of activity going on and I wanted to see what was going on. So, I mean, it was, they weren't that busy, but the nurses were talking and I was hearing conversations and I was just like, yeah. Um, my nurse talked to me. She was nice. Uh, she checked on me. I had, I had a lot of pain when I woke up from the, from the exam. Um, she asked me about my pain. I said, I think my pain was a seven. She had to give me a heavy painkillers. I didn't like those as much, but I needed them and they made me sleepy and they also started affect. See, the reason I don't like really heavy painkillers is that it affects my breathing a little bit. And my breathing was, the alarms were going off and I was on oxygen. And the point was is to get me off oxygen and where I could hold my own. So when I was dealing with a lot of pain and so I was taking eating ice chips anytime I could get ice chips or I could ask for them I was like yeah give me ice chips so so I did that um, the pain the thing so basically like I said everything like I said they when it came to the, like she didn't like giving me because I think she was watching my oxygen levels when after time she gave me those heavy painkillers and I had enough and my pain was starting to slowly go down and she wanted to give me like plain old regular like Tylenol or Motrin stuff that was actually made for that and she's like I want to give you that and then I want you to take in like really deep breaths and then I want you to cough and I'm like okay so she gave me the medicine and I took in the deep breaths and she says I want you to give me like one cough and I coughed and she says it's gonna hurt oh did it hurt oh but after that, my breathing went back. My breathing went from 90% up to like 94, 95, which that's normal for me. Then she was also concerned because my blood pressure was really high. And I told her it was high because I was in pain. And I think shortly after she gave me the pain medicine, and I, I became more alert. And the pain level started going down quite a bit. She uh, told me uh, that probably when I go downstairs, they were going to give me some pain medicine. They never did. I didn't need it. She was telling me about that and what they might give me to take home. I never, I never needed it. So, thank God. Um, so she was talking to me about that and so when the machine tested me again my blood pressure had dropped about 10 points it was it was like 154 and so over under i forget we'll drop down to 141 which was good 
So she was she was like, "Well, you know your body." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I do." <laughs> you guys don't. <laughs> I wanted to say that to her. I mean, you know, outside professionally, they they don't know. I mean, they don't know what I deal with on a daily basis. They don't know how how my body responds, and the more they have information, the more they can say. But yeah, and she did. And another thing I liked about <clears throat> my nurse was she was asking me intelligent questions when it came to dealing with my joints having rheumatoid arthritis, <clears throat> which I was surprised because I don't normally, unless they're curious, but these were like intelligent questions. And I'm like, she knows somebody or she's had patients before. And, um, and then she started telling me about her uncle. Her uncle had, well, I just, well, yeah, uncle who had, who had RA. So she was telling me some things that she learned. So I was like, cool. And it's always interesting because you can always tell when, when you're working with someone in the medical profession who's been around patients, RA, or, because she was asking me really intelligent questions that I normally don't get asked. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I just, so, <clears throat> yeah, and then she wasn't, and then, and then, um, what took me so long to get downstairs when I was able to go downstairs was she had another patient to come in and that patient was having a little difficult time with the anesthesia. He, that patient was kind of fighting it. Um, so she, and her job is, you know, her job is to get, you know, the patient awake like me. She told me I did a really good job about waking up. So, but I wanted to wake up. <laughs> I was like, yay, it's over with. Then I was asking her questions. Well, they didn't have any. Nope. She said that they don't tell her that much what happened downstairs. Only time they would tell her <clears throat> anything is if I had some severe complications and there was nothing to report. And I was like, good to go. So I was like, really happy. And so then I get to. So then I get. So I was. I was. I was there about an hour, maybe, up in the recovery unit. And then the other nurse came and got me and uh, stuff like that. So, you know what? This was kind of, you know, another hospital policy I think maybe they all need to change is when they were, when I was being transferred, and I know why they did this, it's COVID protocol, but when they were getting ready to transfer me, they, um, the nurse who was like transferring me downstairs to, to the, to the discharge unit, they had to put a mask on me. <clears throat> I didn't fight it. I understood. I understood why, but I'm thinking, is it really necessary <laughs> to put the mask on? I'm like, is it, um, it's just really weird. I was just like, okay, cause I'm just, I just got off the oxygen and now you're putting a mask on me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was fine, but it was just, I don't know if I, I just think that was just, from my perspective as a patient, is that really wise policy to have? But anyway, but 
So no, I went downstairs and went downstairs and stuff like that. It was kind of funny. I had two patients. I had not two patients. I had two nurses. I had my main nurse and then her assistant. And his assistant came in and asked if I wanted any food, and I'm like, no, one besides drink. I said I wanted some like Sprite. I hadn't drank anything. I wasn't ready. <laughs> it was funny. My nurse came in and she's like, This is what we have. Choose one. <laughs> it was funny. I could just tell, like, I'm going to eat whether I want you or not. And I'm like, All right. I, she didn't give, this is funny. She didn't give me a choice. It's like, bop, 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 bop. She's like, Here's your options. Option one, option two, option three, option four. Pick one. <laughs> It's like, take the crackers. <laughs> yeah, she gave me like three packs of crackers, and there were six. All <clears throat> each pack had two crackers, and I ate all the crackers. So, but a nice thing was too when I went downstairs was I wasn't expecting this because uh, when I woke up from when I was starting to wake up, I mentioned a couple of times I went to my mom and. My recovery nurse told me, don't worry, she'll be downstairs waiting for you. And I'm like, okay. And uh, I didn't say any more about that. And, uh, you know. And so I was just like, okay. And uh, so when I got downstairs, there was my mother sitting in a chair waiting for me. <laughs> I was like, yay. I was thinking they'd bring her back as soon as I got back in there. Um. But that's what I was thinking. They they had her sitting there waiting for me. I was like, cool, you know. So, so yeah, it was like kind of it was like interesting. So, like I said, I started when I got downstairs in that part. I was, I was, my mom was talking to me. I was talking to my mom when I experienced upstairs. Um, I started when the assistant brought back the drinks. They even asked my mom if I wanted something to drink. And they also told us since we were there going to shut the door, we could take off our mask. And just we just had to put them on when they walked back in, which was fine. I didn't have a problem with that. And so I started eating and drinking. <laughs> my mom was like, you're going to have some crackers. <laughs> you got a lot of others. Because like I said, I was not ready to start eating just yet. And she's like, got to have a cracker. <laughs> you gotta eat my mom's like you gotta have one set of crackers so I'm like alrighty my my mother knows me she says I started eating I finished the crackers and I did so so I had her to open because I couldn't I couldn't open up the crackers and um because I had the bird crusher cup on me on my right arm and I just couldn't open it up so <clears throat> it was kind of hard so she did that. So this is another thing I would like to point out too. If you're having, um, if you ever have to go to surgery or you're a loved one, someone needs to be there because I couldn't open up the crackers. <laughs> I was just like, uh, so, I mean, just the way they, the way it was, I just, the way I felt, it was just like, no, I couldn't open the packet of crackers. <clears throat> so my mom, so... So my mom opened the crackers and I ate and I drank. Um, that was good. Because I knew the more I drank, the more I would have to be going. 
Um, my nurse came back and checked on me, and she uh, made the comment that I was doing pretty good and I was healthy. <laughs> I was young and healthy. I was like, thanks! Those two words I love to hear. And, uh, and she turned up my IV bag so I would so I could go to the bathroom a lot faster. Because I asked her how, what I had to do to get discharged. And she's like, you gotta pee. I was like, noted. So I was, like I said, I was eating and drinking. And so, so after I got done with my crackers and, and drinking, I had to go to the bathroom. And so they gave me my call button. And... This is why I say it's always good to have somebody with you in the room if you ever are be with somebody because what happened was <clears throat> purely it was not anybody's fault. It was just something that happened that the system failed. Okay, <clears throat> I pressed my call button to call for the nurse because I need to go to the bathroom because they told me when I needed to go just to use my call button. Well, my call button wasn't working. It wasn't lighting up. So I had my mom, so I had my mom to, to look and I said, I don't think it's plugged in and it wasn't. And she, she looked around and I told her where she could probably plug it. I couldn't get out of the bed. I know where it was supposed to be plugged in and I'm used to this stuff. She's not, she's not. Um, so she was looking around and she couldn't find it and she says well let me go get the nurse and she says let me go she says let me go find the nurse and she had her mask off i'm like you need to go put your mask on <laughs> she's like oh yeah so she so she went out and uh she went and got my she went and got the nurse and my nurse apologized for that because talking about being in there that that was something you know that was I was just so glad that my mom was in there because that could have been really something that I have if I was by myself and didn't have my call button working properly in which that was very yeah that could have been something very serious and she was very concerned why that wasn't working she plugged it back in and talking about that even it not being unplugged me being in there it should have they weren't even notified at the front desk that my call button wasn't working that it was unplugged and so for some reason their system was not working properly to let them know and this is why i say it's always good to uh, have somebody was in your room because or something with you, whether you're going to be the care, you know, the caregiver or the patient, because things do happen. Things are beyond the control of the nurses, and with the nurses not being, you know, with hospitals not being fully staffed right now, that the for me as a patient, I needed someone who's able to get up and walk and get somebody's attention, not just because it was life threatening, because I needed a nurse, because I was not allowed to go out of the bed with, without a nurse. So, I mean, these are very important things to make sure that as my caregiver, my mother, made sure I had, she was actually my voice when I couldn't be my own advocate. So she was my advocate when I couldn't be. And I think this is what I, I think people who are not used to dealing with the medical world 
or start in if you start having developing health issues need I think loved ones need to understand when dealing with a person who's dealing with cancer or dealing with RA or just going in for a for just a colonoscopy or something you know routine that doesn't mean you're sick it's just part of life if you're going into having outpatient surgery you need to have a caretaker you need to have a person there that can advocate for you when you're not able to advocate for yourself when you need something now there's a lot of people doing this going advocating you know, going in there and just doing it themselves, which is not, to me, a good thing. I think people need to understand that, yeah, the, it may be a draining day f for your loved one. They need to be there. They need to know what's going on. It's not an easy day. It was not an easy day for me. It was not an easy day for my mother. All right? It was one of those things. But it had to be done. And, you know, if, you know, if the reverse was being, you know, if it was my mother in the bed, I would have been there. Nonstop. That would, you know, I would have been there and going, okay, okay. And making sure what she had, what she needed. Making sure whatever she needed. I, I've did that before, but, you know, I, <laughs> I actually don't like being on the other side. <laughs> I've been there when I needed to and it's gave me actually it's been really good when I've had those moments where I had to be the advocate for my mother because it makes it helps me understand the process what she has to go through when I'm lying in the bed and when she has to be the observer and watch and can't really do anything so that gives me a new appreciation on that and when, when I'm in the bed and making sure that she's getting what she needs too as well. Um, so it, I understand her job when she's there. So it helps. It enlightens me in that area. But this is why I say, you know, you need a, a person needs someone there because things do like this happen. Was it the hospital's fault that happened? No, it could have got pulled out. I could accidentally pull it out. Um, maybe they thought it was plugged in. You know. I mean right now the nurse staff is overlooked. So one thing next time I go back in any hospital. I'm going to make sure. Is the, it's the call button chart <laughs> working? Is it plugged in? Uh, I'm definitely going to make sure of that. Because I had issues with that. So that way that, was, that doesn't happen again. Things happen. I was just, I was, when I was left alone in the, the hospital room and the door closed, I'm sitting there going, I was so grateful that I had my mother there because that could have been, that could have turned, that could have turned something ser seriously, but yeah, they got it working. And then, and then I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I was so glad. And they took me to the bathroom. And then, and then. After I came back, then my mom's like, I haven't been used to, she was telling me she hadn't went to the bathroom since either. And I'm like, well, you need to go. And so I, I told her where the bathroom was at, where she could go. And she was like, cool. 
and uh, so and then I had to wait so yeah so once I went to the bathroom it was just getting out my getting out my IV and I was so thankful that I did not got talked into putting in my hand because my hand would have been awful sore today and it's like no so so yeah then the and then I got then I got to the car so then yeah then the assistant he took me out to the car after I got dressed and uh and we talked all the way down I was like yay uh, I was just like I mean, like I said, the people were, the nurses, the staff was pretty friendly. I didn't really have any issues. Um, she had a couple of things that happened that I was glad that I had my mother there. Because that could have been something else. Um, I was, like I said, really thankful that she was there. Um, got a ride home, which is good. The ride home was the thing. Now I was not bothered with nauseous. I was not bothered being nauseous at all until I got in the car. I was just like, oh my word. And part of it was I hadn't eaten that much all day. I wanted food. Um, I ate the crackers. I had this, I had the Sermira mist. I was like ready to go home. I was like wanting food and I was so sick. I was just like, oh my goodness. I thought for a moment almost home and I was having a pull over or I could just throw up and and I do not like throwing up. It just takes a lot out of me and my body was not able to I knew my body was not able to handle that. Um, I should have asked for anesthesia medicine uh, not anesthesia medicine, but uh antibody anti next anti-vomiting medicine I, I could have been given that just in case and I think I should have if I have to go under anesthesia again I think I might do that when I wake up but but I got home and once I got home um, got out of the car and started drinking a little bit uh, got some food into me because I think that was part of it because I didn't have any food um had supper and got the food into me that was good. I also drank some boost later on when I felt up to it. I started feeling better. So, I mean, that just way, but that was just such a long car. And the hospital is not that far away from my home. And it was just such a long way home. I was just like, oh my goodness. Every time the car stopped, my stomach would be like, okay, are we there yet? <laughs> car would move back going, so, I had, part of the way I had to close my eyes closed, I'd open my eyes just to see where I was at. I was just like, oh, okay, we're almost there. But that long, that last few miles, that last couple of <laughs> that last few blocks was like, yay. And then we were, and what made it bad, we were in traffic. Uh, you know, people getting off of work, traffic, and it was stop and go, stop and go, especially on, it was just like, oh, my word. But yeah, I made it. And then my cat was so happy to see me. <laughs> he was like, you're home. You left me forever. Feed me. Let me rub against you. Feed me. Let me rub against you. Feed me. <laughs> he wasn't sure what he wanted. But yeah. <clears throat> now, people make cat jokes. Like, well, that's typical. Well, you have to understand. My cat, I left my cat about 9 o'clock. 
I did not get home until a little after five or before five, a little after five, let's say that. So I was gone 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, about, yeah, about six to seven hours maybe. I'm not good with math, I have to see the numbers, but, um, that was a long time. He's not used to being by himself that long or that long of a period of time. He is not used to being by himself that long. He's used to me being, uh, he's used to, he's used to being my family being, well, well, he's used to me being gone for like two to three. About a few hours. There's always somebody here, so he's just not used to when the whole family is gone. And so he was just like, Yay! <laughs> it's like people. So, I mean, I did feed him. I went and checked on his litter box. Uh, you know, to make sure I didn't have to scoop out anything, you know. But he was really glad to see me. Um, he was he was full of it for the couple hours I was almost like alrighty then the t today I left for a short time and he was like no you're not leaving me again <laughs> he didn't like that idea he was he was scared but I came back home it was actually good I left because I came back home like I normally do within a couple hours and he was like fine he was like okay so, I think people need to remind, if you've got pets, they get stressed out too. Because he didn't understand why I was gone. I mean, I fed him really good before I left yesterday. I made sure he had what he needed. And I was, <laughs> I was looking, I was, one of the things I knew I was waking up, I was thinking, my poor cat, he's going to be so lonely and so hungry. And I get <laughs> And then right before I decided to lay down, he wanted to play. And I was just. I was so much in pain, but he needed to get that energy out before I crashed. Actually, he crashed when he crashed before I did. Came to bed and crashed on me. Just funny. So, so anyway, so yeah, if you have cat, you know, if you have a dog or a cat, you know, you gotta make sure they're protect, uh, taken care of too before you leave. Um, stuff like that. And also, too, you know, always, you know, make sure you have a way, if something, like, seriously happened, that you have someone come in and take care of the animal if it takes longer than you think. Because sometimes, you know, think, th things happen. And it's always make sure you have a plan in place for your pet. You know, you have somebody that can come in and knows how to take care of your pet and actually knows your pet. So... Anyway, well, guys, I am going to end it there, but that was my exopades for yesterday. I came through the anesthesia okay. Um, still kind of like in and out of it, if you can tell a little bit. I'm starting to get tired now, but yeah. Um, if I sound a little wacky at times, it's due to the anesthesia, but I just wanted to go ahead and, and get this taped because I think people need to understand what how anesthesia, uh, anesthesia can affect you.
or affect a person, I should say, and just I want to talk about my experience, how good medical care from staff all the way around can help the patient recover better at home. I'm doing really good. I still have some pain off and on. Um, what I'm taking for the pain is just over-the-counter uh, plano Tylenol, which has been helping besides my other medications. I might take um, some migraine medicine in the day. My throat can handle it. My throat's a little raw, which that's normal. I haven't decided that yet, but shall see. I'm just taking a little. I'm just taking it day by day. So I mean, I hope this gives you an understanding of what it's like for me as a person who has rheumatoid arthritis with limited mobility. And what I have to go through just to get simple things done or what I'm concerned about because of my neck and my jaw about anesthesia and, and the bad experiences I had in the past few years with anesthesiologist. <laughs> uh, actually, the first one wasn't his. The first the really major episode, that was not his fault, that anesthesiologist. That was, that's a different story. That, that story needs to be told. I learned a lot of things from that episode, but so, so anyway, I, I hope this helps, helps you, help you guys understand what exactly, what I had to deal with yesterday and why, um, like I said, I talked a little bit about maybe possibly having a hysterectomy. I'm not really thrilled about that, but I hope you understand. I'm, when it comes to that part of my next major medical decision for my life um, is because I am not sure what type of mobility issues I will have or how my health will be at that time, which may arise. And that's something I'm thinking about now and something I need to talk to my gynecologist about and, and get his opinion on what he thinks after I get all my results in. So... It, like I said, it wasn't fun, and I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this again, but it is what it is, and so, and I'm hoping that I don't, I'm hoping I don't need any blood, any more, uh, iron infusions, because I have to get my iron checked in the, in the, in a couple of weeks, so, getting, getting, find out more about that towards the end of March. So I'm hoping by the end of March I have some answers on what I need to do next and what I have to plan out. So, so which is good. And so then I can get back on dealing with my hand again. That would be great. Um, I just kind of postponed that because of this stuff. So, I'm seeing what I can do and excuse me for burping. So yeah, but this is what, you know, this is what a day, um, this is what my life looks like after recovering. I mean, I'm still, I'm still, still being affected by the anesthesia a little bit. Um, still tired, still recovering, but I'm up and moving. I got dressed today. I went out and had some breakfast. <laughs> I got to talk to one of my favorite waitresses today for a little bit. Um, 
gotta be around people because like I said before I, I went to quarantine because I didn't want to catch anything so which was good so I was ready to get out a little bit and just kind of enjoy life it was a nice day before the snow and the freezing mix comes back again tonight and what I did so yeah so yeah it's gonna take me a couple days to to recover so hey so maybe when I do my podcast for Sunday I will sound a bit clearer and know what I'm not so I feel like I'm just during this podcast a little acting but I the reason I went ahead and taped this today is just to tell you you guys about my day and what my thoughts and feelings were why it was so fresh in my my mind about uh, my experience yesterday and also give you what it's like to be in recovery from this and with any anesthesia because I don't think people talk about this even people who don't have health problems need to have an advocate there with them a loved one that can say hey or whatever to make sure care is provided and then the care afterwards you know of, of recovery as well so anyway well my friends I will I'm going to let you go I know I'm over I didn't expect to talk this long and had a lot to say didn't I <laughs> so I wish you guys a I hope you guys have a, a great day and also I would ask you to also please play uh, play for the people in Ukraine and pray for our leaders to give them wisdom uh, guidance to make the right decisions and courage to make the right decisions because sometimes one person can change the whole course and one, one bad decision can lead into something um, I'm afraid that the stuff in Ukraine can quickly turn into World War 3 we might have already opened that door I don't know but I do feel like from the stuff that I've been watching on the news that we just we need to play for our leaders, um, the world, the world leaders as well, not just, not just for American leaders, but I, tough times. That's all I'm going to say about that for now, but I just ask you to pray. Um, they, 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 they need it. They, they need, we just need to pray. Just crazy. So anyway, so anyway, so my friends, stay strong, stay healthy as you can, and I hope this podcast was helpful. And I would, um, like I said, you can always get a hold of me. Uh, you can send me a direct email if you are, if you can remember my email address. It is Alexander Mars, the writer at AOL.com. You can also. Um, you, you can um, also go to my website, alexandermars.com. You can hit the contact link, fill out the information, and I'll definitely get it that way too. I would love to hear from you. Um, you can also follow me on my blog, on my Twitter. My Twitter handle is uh, AM Storytelling. You can follow me there. You can also send me a message if you wish to contact me through there as well. Um, I'm starting to post more of my recent stuff on Twitter. So you can always go to Twitter if I haven't posted a couple days on my blog. Um, 
Um, you can also catch me on uh, Facebook under Alexander Mars. And so, yeah, I got some things I want to that I want to start doing on my uh, blog post and Twitter. Some things I want to change a little bit, but I'm just kind of waiting until I feel better. Sorry, start tackling stuff because I've been in the last few weeks. I've been in a lot of pain. I haven't really talked about it, but I've been in a lot of pain, so I've just not been kind of doing what I want to do. Just doing what I have to do. So, I will see you guys. Like I said, that's just my life. But, so, anyway, I was getting wacky a little bit. I am going to let you guys go. Um, getting tired. I can feel my focus dwindling, dwindling away. So, I'm going to call it quits for here, and I hope you guys have a great day and remember spend the time with people that you love and you care about because we only live once life once so make the best of it and remember have a little bit of fun too we all need fun right so i will see you guys later doodles and there will be a podcast for sunday 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 toodles